Christ up on North. How are we doing this morning? Man, how awesome is it to be celebrating Christmas on Christmas inside the church? I'm going to confess, Isaac, you're not the only one that didn't know how many people are going to show up today. I was like, this may be like the COVID era where I'm speaking to a camera and I have no idea who's uh, tuning in. Um, and so we're thankful for you that are live in person. We're thankful for those that are traveling or with families and stuff but are still tuning in. Um, what, a, what an awesome time, you know. This only happens every once in a while. So to celebrate with you is a pretty special occasion. And the reason why is because I titled this uh, Plot Twist. The story of Christmas is like so many of the, of the great stories of humankind. We love a great story. None better if they have a lot of plot twists we didn't see coming. Right? I think about my favorite TV shows, The Wire, Breaking Bad, etc. And for those, for young kids, okay, you have to wait a week for the shows to come out, okay? So an episode will come out, you're really into it, you're really into it, and they end on a plot hanger. And then you had to wait another week. And so you spend all week thinking about, oh man, I can't believe they left it on this. Where are they going to go with it? And the worst time is around this time of the holidays because they would have, if you're watching a TV show in the fall, they would have something called a holiday break. Okay? So they would leave you on a cliffhanger, and you got to wait like a month before the show to pick back up. It's terrible. You're like, oh, my gosh. Nowadays, you get to you see that Netflix button, next episode. Yes. Right? But we love a good plot twist. It's throughout all the great stories. I don't care what medium you're in, whether it's movies, TV shows, a book, video games. We love a good plot twist that we don't see coming. And that's where Israel has found themselves during this Christmas time. They've been left on a cliffhanger. And I know we're going to have some Christmas basketball games on here in a little bit. Um, it's a big deal in my household, at least. Um, but they may show, like, a movie trailer of a new movie that most people are anticipating. And at the end, it'd be like, summer 2024. You're like, 2024? I'd rather not know, right? Like, just wait till it's closer so I can get, build up my anticipation. Don't show me the trailer for a movie from two years from now. I don't want to know that. But 700 years ago, in Isaiah 7:14, the prophet Isaiah writes, "Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel." Now, I know the second avatar just got released. We had to wait 12 years for that. The Jewish people had to wait 700 years for what something was promised. It was 400 years from the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. They've been waiting a long time. And I'm not sure about you, but I probably would have given up hope. 
season after season, year after year, the TV show doesn't come back that I really want, new episodes of, doesn't come back, I'll just give up hope. I'll move on to something else. This is generation after generation that have been waiting for this. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-great-grandparents. The family tree is so long, they, they lost names. Been waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. So this is where we you know, incredibly find ourselves in, in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. Now, previously we saw um, another miraculous conception uh, through Elizabeth. An angel came to her, said, hey, even though you're old, you're going to have a son. He's going to prepare the way. We got that. So verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name, name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that might be. Now, I'm not sure about you, but um, it's not every day you get to talk to an angel, okay? Now, some of y'all, if y'all just want to, maybe you're an angel, okay? That's, that's, that's different, okay? I'm talking an actual angel, and the one that's named in the Bible. There's only two names, uh, angels named in the Bible. This is one of the main ones, okay? This is Gabriel, and, you know, and he says, you are highly favored. Now, he's about to tell her why, but uh, each and every single one of us carry that promise. And it's amazing how surprised we are um, to know that how highly favored we are. Verse 30, it says, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Here, Mary's going about her day, probably in the plans of and, you know, planning for an incredible wedding, something she'd been waiting for her whole life, engaged to uh, Joseph, um, been doing things correctly the right way. She, you know, they sustained from premarital sex and all that. She's trying to do things the correct way. And the angel comes to her and says, hey, you're about to be pregnant. Time out. Hold up. <laughs> Rewind this. What? Yeah, you're about to be pregnant. I can't be pregnant. I'm about to get married. It's going to very, look very suspicious if I show up pregnant on my wedding day. 
Now, we do the math. We're like, hmm, okay. Joseph has done the math. I know we ain't done it. And I'm not no expert in engagement. Now, I've only been engaged for a week, okay? So just give me a, give me a break here. It was a beautiful time. I still have a little bit of tan left in me. But um, <laughs> um, if Victoria came to me and said, hey, I'm pregnant, there would be a lot of questions. And my instincts will be to do exactly what Joseph did. He tried to secretly plan. It would take some godly intervention in order for me to not do what I think I would do. So, um, but it's amazing that Mary, planning her life out, we'll get married to Joseph, we're going to move in, we're going to do all these different things, we're going to have a beautiful wedding, do all these different things, right? She's planning her life out, what is her vision looks like. She's like a teenager, so her plans are probably pretty great. I'm going to have kids. You know, she's already planning baby names and stuff. You know how we do. And... Um, all of a sudden, in the midst, middle of that, God gives a plot to us. He says, yeah, you're going down this path, but I have something much greater for you. God, it don't look greater. Trust me, it's greater. You may cause me a divorce. It's greater. You may cause me to be ostracized from society, because single mothers aren't looked favorably upon in that society. It's greater. What an incredible plot twist. It's amazing how God can come into our lives and in an instant change it. It could change the direction we're heading in. We're going down one path, boom. He comes in, now I'm going to something greater. We hear these stories all the time in Christ Temple North. Someone's going down one way, hey, I'm, I'm a crack dealer, and all of a sudden, boom, God comes in. Now I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a minister. You're like, how is that even possible? Plot twist. It's a plot twist. We've heard so many of these stories. And so that's why when we say Merry Christmas at Christ Temple North, we understand the plot twist of each and every single one of our personal lives. Amen. God came in at some point, gave me a plot twist, and now I'm on to something greater. And I see the Facebook posts. I see people getting new jobs and new careers, new promotions, new graduations, new houses. Becoming a parent, grandparent. Right? I see these things. We hear from our leader, he gets a clean bill of health from cancer multiple times. Plot twists. We're incredibly thankful for these plot twists. We are so great and so honored to be able to celebrate Christmas because not only did God come decide, decide to come in through a plot twist, he still intervenes and steps into every single one of our lives to give us our own plot twist that changes the course of our life forever. We're never the same.
And because of this, Mary hears this news, and she's trying to figure this all out. She goes, I know. Let me go to my cousin's house, because she is also experiencing the same exact thing. Been praying for something for so long. I thought it would never happen. Plot twist. Now I get to be a mother, even despite my old age. She can probably relate to what I'm going through because, now, men, anytime your significant other says, I'm going to stay at my parents' house or my aunt's house or something like that, you in the doghouse. Things are not going well, okay? <laughs> so there's probably a lot of that going on too, okay? So Mary packs up, and in verse, uh, she goes to uh, meet Elizabeth, and uh, Elizabeth sees her and recognizes immediately the plot twist that she has experienced herself. And so we see that the baby, when Mary got closer, leapt for joy. The John the Baptist, the baby in Elizabeth's stomach, recognized that Mary's coming with, you know, Jesus, and the baby starts to react. And she recognizes that immediately and says in verse 45, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Not only is that incredible recognition of uh, Elizabeth to Mary, but it is incredible recognition to every single individual within this building that recognizes the promises God gives and knows that he'll fulfill it. Those promises are incredible, and God always fulfills them. And there is a distinct difference between those that know that and those that don't. I'm reminded a few weeks ago, uh, right here um, at, at GoGo's homegoing celebration. First of all, I was so happy for GoGo for all the people that showed up because they recognized he made an impact in my life. And I want to come and honor him. And I was amazed at uh, the immediate family how they carry themselves with dignity and, and everything else. And I'm sitting there in the back where the camera's at, and I'm watching people, and I can tell there's a significant difference between those that know God fulfills his promises and those that don't. There were some tears of joy, and there were some tears of weeping because there's a significant difference. Not only, yes, you can have tears of Weeping because, you, you know, selfishly and humanly, you still want that person to be in your life. That's perfectly understandable, and God wept himself. You know, so he understands that very well. But there is time, there's tears of joy because we understand that even though I've been praying for Gogo's health for so long, for him to recover from, from cancer, now, you know, you see the gradual decline of his health and those that are around him, the, the care that he needed. God answered his prayer. He's like, Go, I, I wish Gogo is healed from this. He was healed from it. He's no longer suffering from it. Amen. I want Gogo to, to be healed from this and to extend his life. Well, he did extend his life. It just happened to be forever. Amen. Right? And... So that way, when I pray for Gogo to be healed, to be his life extended by those that he loves, well, he is healed, lives forever, 
and he's surrounded by those he loves that just so happened to went before him. And how amazing is it that we will get to see him one day and be surrounded by the same thing? That's an amazing promise. And this may not be the promise that you like, but he does fulfill his promises. For those of you praying on a plot twist this year, it may be something greater than you even imagine. This time last year, I was a single man praying, God, I'm tired of praying this prayer. <laughs> I'm tired of a lot of these first dates not going well and, and people ghosting and me not feeling these people and not being aligned with certain people. You know, it's getting old. This time last year, me and Victoria just started talking. Plot twist. So I know what happened for me. I can't wait to hear how it happens for you. So here's Mary contemplating all these things. An angel came to her. She went to go to her aunt's or cousin's house. She's much older, so you probably views her much of an aunt. aunt. Spending time, she gets greeted by this incredible greeting from Elizabeth. And then Mary goes into song. And it's an incredibly beautiful song. It's where I'm going to spend the rest of our time here. Mary's song. Verse 46 says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. How can a teenager understand and create such a beautiful song that we can just unpack today? What kind of wisdom? I love the Christmas song, Mary Did You Know. Oh, what a beautiful song. You can sing it at Easter, too. It's an incredibly beautiful song. And that question, Mary, did you know? She does know. Let's break it down. The very first thing, and maybe we should take a look at this, not only what, in Mary's perspective, but how we should celebrate this Christmas. The very first thing um, Mary models for us is that in her song, is a praise, is, is a mind that understood the scriptures. When I read this, I was like, this almost sounds like a song. 
This sounds very much like a psalm. And if you go into theology, you can see the references that she pulls from in order to create her song. Mary, in her mind, understood the scriptures. She reflected on them. She took it with her. And so when it came time to praise God for all the things they did, she understood, boom, I can pull it from here. I can pull this from here. I can do this. I can remember this time where a pastor talked about this or got me through that, inspired me to do this. She was able to instantly, because she's thinking on the scriptures, and to basically write her own psalm herself. If you're having trouble praising God this Christmas, probably because you don't know your Bible. It's filled with praise. People always get nervous when a pastor asks them to pray. And, prayer, and pastor constantly makes fun of people. You're just talking to God. That's the easiest thing we can do. Now, I'm in the joyful noise camp, okay? So I would have a really tough time if Isaac comes to me and says, Trevor, I want you to be on the praise and worship team. I'm like, uh, I'm trying to keep people saved, okay? So um, let's not do that. But praise itself won't be uncomfortable for me. And it should be uncomfortable for you, for those that understand it. And think of it. Here's Mary. And that song knows, Mary, did you know? She in this says, I will be celebrated for all generations. There's not a more celebrated woman in, in humankind than Mary. If you ever been to a Catholic church, you know. Mary knew that being the bearer of Christ, the Savior, had its own issues and challenges. Not only what culturally, we talked about that earlier, she's probably going to face the loss of her husband, ostracized, put herself in a lot of dangers, put the baby in a lot of dangers. As you know, the Christmas story extends out. The baby was in danger. They had to flee in order to save the baby. Well, Hundreds of other babies got killed. But her knowledge of Scripture enabled her to help believe this message the angel announced to her. She took it to heart because she can probably recall all the times else that it happened throughout Scripture. So if you have things, you're struggling with things to praise about, just reflect on, on the Bible. And you have plenty of things to praise about. Another thing that Mary models, and we should probably reflect this Christmas season, is a heart of humility. This is her greatest moment of calling. And it's an amazing time when someone finds their calling in life. And they're like, this is what I do. This is what God designed me to do. It's an incredible, beautiful marriage of what Christ has designed you for, your skill sets, your experiences, and walking with him throughout it. It's an incredible thing to do because you see how it just takes off. Her central purpose of her life was going to be the Savior's mother. Some of you may think that's small and insignificant. Many of you know how significant that would be. That would be a lot of pressure. 
That would be a lot of pressure. I mean, I wouldn't want Jesus to scrape his knee playing basketball in the street, right? Like, on a scooter, right? He'd be like, oh, don't, I, I can't let the Savior get hurt, right? Like, oh, my God. Um, but this position is a position of significant influence and status and shows the redemptive work of God. Even through the messes, he can come in to clean it up, not only for his own, for own, for Mary herself, but for the rest of the world. What an incredible plot twist. By love in her song, she says, she recognizes that she's a sinner and in need of a savior. What incredible humility. The angel just told her she's blessed and highly favored, and she's coming, you know, a few moments later saying, I'm a sinner, I need a savior. In that verse, Mary, did you know that your baby boy that you deliver will soon deliver you? You'd be like, yes. She knew. The song says it. She recognized she's in need of a Savior. What incredibly humility. And that's because she understood what mercy has been given to her. So what mercies have been given to you? I know some of your stories. Y'all have a lot to praise for. And if you're really struggling for prayer, uh, praising this holiday season, it's probably because you're holding on to stuff. Or you haven't confessed some things. Really hard to praise when you're feeling so weighed down by the things you're hanging on to. So for some of you... Made him to confess, let things go in order that you can give him the ultimate gift, and that is your praise and worship. Another thing Mary models for us is an attitude of thankfulness. Think about it. She's a single unwed mother. We know what that means. But Israel itself is at the lowest point of Israel's lifetime. It's been half a millennium since the prophets came. Half a millennium since a king of Israel sat on the throne. Half a millennium and, you know, outsiders have come in and rule and the Romans are in charge at this point. This is the lowest point in Israel's history. So in her own personal life, she's going through a mess. The nation which she resides in and is a member of is in a mess, in a bad spot, probably um, feeling very oppressed and maybe forgotten or given up on God. And she, is, she has plenty of things to be discouraged about. But in the midst of all the things, some of you may have a lot going on in your personal lives. In that miss, she still finds a way to be thankful yeah. in her song. Yeah. You woke up this morning thankful. Yeah. Right? Amen. You have gifts under your tree, thankful. Amen. Some of you may be going to some places, some, some loved one's house to celebrate Christmas, thankful. Yeah. Some of you travel to be here this morning. It's so great to, to see some of your faces, thankful. Some of you have time to spend with your parents, 
while they're still here. Thankful. Right? Some of you have to say goodbye this year. They're in a better place. Thankful. Right? Like we have so many things to be thankful for. Despite your circumstance, beside your struggle, beside your loneliness or singleness or joblessness or whatever you're going through, there's still, if you look, there are plenty of things to be thankful for. I'm thankful there's still heat, right? Like, I was on the beach this time last week, and now I come back and it's frigid, and I'm like, at least I still got the, you know, the, the heater still working. What great things has he done for you? Now, you can be as small as what I was talking about, but many of you, like I said, promotions, new houses, new careers, new relationships, kids being introduced, new marriages, uh, you know, your finances, you're out of debt, right? Like, there's a lot of things to be thankful for. So anything that gives Christmas an extra special meaning to you, celebrate it. Celebrate it. One of the last things that um, Mary models for us is the importance of an experiential acquaintance with God. And what I mean by that is you're so in tune with God and you experience life with God or you experience life through other people who have a relationship with God that it helps you out in life. Mary was able to experience the same things and have a support system through Elizabeth because Elizabeth had shared her testimony and was able to help Mary in her most significant time of need. It is incredibly important to be in community. That's why I was nervous about this because I was like, how are we going to celebrate Christmas? Talk about how great community is and this church be half empty. It's going to be kind of tough. It's going to be kind of awkward. But then I show up today, and I'm looking at all these faces, some old, some new, some, you know, like, oh, man, what an incredible gift. It is to be surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ who can walk this walk with me. The same way Mary had Elizabeth in her corner, we have people in our corner. And so this Christmas, let's thank them. Not just with gifts or a gift card or whatever you decide to thank them for, but showing them that you love them, you care for them, telling them that, making sure they feel that love. And so during this Christmas, let's be sure to have experiences not only with each other, but God in this moment of time. And as we introduce um, Isaac to come down and um, to give us something really to praise about. Now, he's going to sing, okay? But y'all can sing in your, in your own seats. We have plenty of space. You have plenty of things to be pra uh, praiseworthy for. But the last thing Mary modeled for us is a personal trust in the covenant promises of God. She knew that the world and herself needed a Savior. The same way each and every single one of you need a Savior.
She just happened to be that Savior's mother. But each and every single one of you have a love and a gift that is so great that the God himself came into the world through a plot twist to provide a plot twist for the rest of your life. If you're looking for a plot twist, feel free to talk to someone. Because trust me, this Christmas will be much more special with him than without him. Thank you. Amen. Thank you again, Brother Trevor. Well, he talked the morning.